0: As we start today this we 're going to watch a video. Our topic today, as we continue our politically incorrect series, is about separation of church and state to get to get ready for the message today i I scanned some videos which I often do to introduce the topic and i I found this one, and we ran it last night at the last night 's service and And some people responded very positively to it. But before we run it today, I wanted to get up and talk just a minute about it. Listen to what's really being said. The spokesman is very clear in what his point is. But this is a little critical analysis of what he's saying, and then we'll have our uh, talk afterwards. But let's, let's watch one opinion on separation of church and state.
1: All right, so I want to have a little conversation today talking about separation of church and state. Now, on the heels of all the Kim Davis stuff going on over in Kentucky, I'm seeing a lot of people, primarily Christian, coming out and saying she has the right to express her religious beliefs even while on the job. Even when that job is a government job and even when those beliefs affect how she does her job. Now, these are the same people who say we're a Christian nation founded on Christian beliefs and that should influence our government. So, of course, the idea of separation of church and state is a a valid topic to be discussing right now. And a lot of people, a lot of these same people, say there is no separation of church and state. Uh, And if you look at the Constitution, if you look at the Bill of Rights, never once does it use the term separation of church and state. But we have to ask ourselves, is the intent there? The term separation of church and state comes from Thomas Jefferson. He was once asked, in writing, to describe the intent of the First Amendment. And when he got to the portion that describes religious freedom, he used the term a wall of separation between church and state. So the intent is there. Thomas Jefferson helped write the First Amendment. He's one of the founders of our nation. And the intent was there by the founders. Now we have to determine whether or not it's a good thing. Is separating government from religion a good thing? The short answer is, of course it is. Do you want anybody's personal beliefs, whether they be religious in nature or political in nature, to influence the government that has control over us? Sure, you may say you don't care if a Christian gets into office and uses their Christian beliefs to affect your life and affect the government and how it controls certain aspects of your life, but what if they were Muslim and they believed in Sharia law? What if they're a communist or a socialist or a Marxist? You see where I'm going here. We want our government to, for all intents and purposes, be as asexual as possible. We want them to be not beholden to one particular person's religious beliefs, but to the entire population's liberties and freedoms. And when you start to include personal beliefs to people who have power over us, whether it's the taxes we pay or the roads we drive on, it turns into a very, very bad thing. We see enough of it already. Let's not add to it. So in the end, separation of church and state is a thing. It's there. It's been done. Deal with it. And it is a good thing.
0: Okay. The truth is, it's there in our, in our country. Uh, it's a reality. How do we deal with it is the real question. What's our response? There's uh, a number of slides that we put together for this. Uh, We talk about a wall of separation. This is part of the first part of the First Amendment there. Uh, Congress shall make no law restricting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The church's arrow goes to the wall and stops. It does not pass through and go over to the other side and affect the government. But in this graphic... The actual, the government has influence over the church. It tells the church what it can do and what it shouldn't do. Many people uh, would say that our series on being politically correct is illegal. And that I shouldn't be giving it. Because I'm talking about government issues, I'm not staying on my side of the wall. So uh, it is a reality. There is a statement made by Thomas Jefferson. What does it mean? Let's let's look at one more option uh, that what about what it might mean? In other words, is it a complete block? Does it block me from talking about politics and the government? cannot influence the church whatsoever or religion on the other side does 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 the wall work both ways that that they can't influence us and and we can't influence them they can't talk about us we can't talk about them is this the intent of the first amendment which talks about not establishing a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof another option is this true that the government can't tell me what to say but I'm totally free to talk blessings and trash about the federal government all I want and and you're able to do the same thing some people believe that okay go back go back to the original the the truth is this is how the separation of church and state ends up being the reality inside of our inside of our country today the government controls churches by what we can say and what we can do churches cannot speak back and control the government this slide is what most people in our country believe we've had 56 years of high school graduating classes that have been taught that god can be banned in 1962 uh, engel versus vitale the, the the landmark supreme court case said you can't have prayer in school even if it's a voluntary prayer You cannot bring religion into school at all. It has to be neutral, if you will, or actually exempt from religious expressions and teachings inside of the schoolroom. Even a prayer offered up uh, is being banned. Subsequent Supreme Court decisions supports the ability of government to project itself into public schools and government institutions from the influences of churches and religion. Wall keeps churches and religious organizations from influencing the government. Okay, before you rule me out, and, and and don't listen to any more because I know even talking about this because of the training and, the, and some of the interpretations of that, you'll say this is wrong. Hang with me for a while because today we're not only going to talk about the separation of church and state, we're going to talk about free speech, what I can say and what I shouldn't say. And actually, uh, we're going to read Thomas Jefferson's letter that mentions the separation of church and state as he responded to the dansbury baptist in a letter that they wrote him embarrassing to say i had never read in their entirety two of the most important letters that were written inside of our country i had never i'd 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 studied the appropriate passages out of it but i never looked at the intent the content the background and actually, uh, I was aware of the result that we saw inside of our country. I had never read both letters. I, I, Saturday night, if you, you those who have come on Saturday night, I am very free to insult them because they choose Saturday night. and uh, So uh, I'll, I asked, well, how many people here have read those letters? And, and, and no hands went up. I can ask the same thing today. I won't. Uh, But that's the question. If these two letters are the foundation of the separation of church and state, if these two letters define how the church is to respond to the government, if these two letters define everything about the relationship, we should be aware of them. Uh, Today we're going to actually read portions of them. For your information, there's copies on the back uh, kiosk of both letters so you can read them it's just you know I'm not taking things out of context they're there and also they're obviously online you can look them up and read them but this this comes back and begs the question again why are we doing a series called politically incorrect that talks about it we said this last week and I, I can't overemphasize this we need to have this conversation we need to talk jesus was very clear that any kingdom divided against itself will fall and as a nation the separation of church and state is an issue we are divided over and and we talked about last week we talked about this kingdom being divided by so it's doomed to fall as long as we're divided as a nation we're going to fall if if we're divided politically, as it goes down here, so many percent of the people are angry about the state of our country. They say it's going in the wrong direction politically, culturally, and morally, and even economically. Uh, people have concerns about what's taking place inside of our country. We'll talk about this in a couple of weeks. and Well, we should even economically because the current economic boom is fueled by debt. So... All of you who are have grandchildren here, you can turn and thank them that they're going to pay off the debt that they're that you're incurring today uh, sometime in the future. But the nation is divided. And if you want a great example of it, anyone who's kind of news savvy has been watching Judge Brent Kavanaugh as he's been going through hearings by the judicial committee about can he be... Uh, Approved as a Supreme Court justice. Now, now understand that everything that's taking place is not about his moral character. It's it's not about his uh, uh, history on the court. It's not about his education, his qualifications, if you will, the academic qualifications, the training, and everything else to be a Supreme Court justice. That is not the discussion that's taken place. That's not the reason why protesters tried to disturb and destroy the the confirmation hearings even before they started. They started raising so much noise that they had to talk over the demonstrators. There's demonstrators outside. There's demonstrators inside. The news is going crazy. Why? He's a Christian. Oh, my. And they're very concerned that he'll carry some of that concept, some of his religious beliefs into judgeship. Well, how can you not? Every, every, almost, almost, Every important decision that affects our lives and our country has a religious foundation, either for or against the decision. Now, the problem with, with Judge Kavanaugh and his a religious opinion is that it is opposite of the religious opinion of the people who are protesting him. It's not a political issue. It's a spiritual issue that's there. But the country is divided. In, inside of these areas some of the if you read the news it's incredible that there happens to be one woman who's got maybe a deciding vote and might swing back and forth on them she's been threatened physically to be physically assaulted sexually assaulted all of her money's going to be taken away if she votes the wrong way in, in the opinion of these people really We've come to that. What about this separation of church and state and religious beliefs coming into something as, in, as, as critical as the Supreme Court nominations? And, and I've said this before last week. This election coming, guys, is critical. We can't sit back and be neutral. We have to understand what God says about the establishment of governments, the running of governments. We need to cast votes that are appropriate to what God wants us to do. And so we have to deal with it. And so we're going to deal with it. And, and I encourage those of you who take exception to my opinion, and people do, tell me. Come, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. And uh, as you do that, though, two things. Bring your information don't bring spin bring the founding documents in the bible that's what i'm trying to base these talks on okay so let's let's go go with that that's that's where we're going but join me in prayer heavenly father we thank you that you're god that you have a plan for each of us that far exceeds anything that we could think of we can't even conceive it but you have a plan also for this nation And, Lord, we want to honor you in this nation as citizens of this great country. We want to hear your voice, speak your words, and carry out your will. Give us wisdom as we go forward. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. I really want to start with some foundational stuff first, just just a basic. Again, the topic. What should the wall look like? Is it a, a no way, anyway, on both sides? Or is there some wiggle room in this? Uh, we talked last week about our desire to be biblically correct. We really want to see the wall, the, the foundational principles of this country through the lens of the Bible. We're told that, as a matter of fact, one of the most challenging things as followers of Christ is to ha- be able to see the world through God's eyes. The verse we used last week, and we'll probably use every week, is don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world. Don't follow the world's interpretation, if you will, of the wall of separation. Let God transform us into a new person. We're changed by the way we think. We're rational beings. So as we look at, at laws as commands, at the Bible, and everything that's going on in the world, look at it through God's eyes. He's given us a lens, the Bible, his supernatural word. We talked last week of, uh, of why we can trust it. And so this week, the politically correct is conforming to the beliefs and the languages, the practice that would offend the political sensibilities, political sens- sensibilities of other people in matters of sex, race, and, and all that should be eliminated. You offend the political sensibilities, politically correct. Our goal, quite honestly, is unashamedly to be biblically correct. We believe that God has given us his inspired word, and it's our goal to, to conform ourselves to that. But so let's, let's look in, in the inspired word and some foundations when it comes to government. First, God establishes governments. Even good governments, bad governments, whatever government, God establishes all authority because he's the ultimate source of all authority. So all authority on earth, it says, uh, submit yourself to the governing authority, for all authority comes from God. Those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So if anyone rebels against the authority, if we break the laws, if we do things that are incorrect according to the country that we're living in at that time and the laws that we're under, it's rebelling against God who's instituted. And there should be punishment. One of the jobs of, of government here on this earth is to maintain order. Uh, to enforce laws for the safety of, and welfare of the people that are there. This is Our country does that just like every other country, based on their principles and what they believe. So, So as Christians, we're commanded to be submissive to the government. So when we talk about First Amendment rights, which is a foundational principle in our country, we should understand it because we're to be submissive to it. We're to follow it and to support it. But we have to understand it. So we have to obey the laws, but there's, there's, a, there's a tension that we fight with inside of our lives. We have to obey the laws, but when a law or a rule or something is put in place that's against God, then we're told not to do it. We're, we're told, just as the uh, disciples said at that time, well, w- rather we rebel uh, against the, the authorities or we rebel against God... That's the choice that's being made. This is uh Peter and John, two of the apostles, stood up. They had just a miraculous healing had taken place. The religious leaders of that time called him in and said, You can't talk about this Jesus guy. We don't like him. He's he's politically incorrect, religiously incorrect. He's just wrong. And but they said, here's their response. Uh he said, Do you do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. They made it very clear. Uh, nice idea, pu- religious leaders are leaders of this time, but if you tell us not to do what God does, tells us to do, we're going to do what God says. And that's really the, the takeaway for today. And this is a, a personal thing with each of us. What does god tell us to do when it comes to these areas we're to follow god you know and again just good point back in the day where this actually flowed into a long period of persecution of christians if they spoke uh against the roman empire uh or rebelled against it there was punishment but the main thing that was the challenge to the Christians of the day, because Rome pretty much allowed the religions to exist. Unless the religions would not do one thing. And that would be to bake as a decree when asked, is Caesar Lord? Is Caesar the ultimate authority? You can have all your gods, but Caesar is Lord over them all. And so, if a, and a Christian can't make that proclamation, neither can a Jew. That's why they were under persecution. Because they would obey God because God says, Jesus is Lord. And so that's when the persecution started. Millions, literally, of Christians. And, and, and yet by following God, of course, they won uh, the battle there. They would not, this is important, they would not be bullied into silence. By the standing political system of the time or the politically correct approach. They would not be bullied they continued to profess and confess jesus christ as lord um, and so they were persecuted ultimately because uh their cause was correct and god empowered them it changed the roman empire not them but now let's get back to thomas jefferson and his wall of silence the wall separating comes from the letter that he wrote now I did a little search, Google search, source of all wisdom and knowledge. And I said, just, I put on the screen, separation of church and state. 44,500,000 sites I could go to and read about it. And I took, I picked through and wandered through from. From atheist sites to Christian sites to government sites to Democrat to, uh, the whole deal. And just what were they saying? Just interesting. Now, the background of the separation of church and state, uh, what was taking place during that particular time when Thomas Jefferson was president and wrote this letter, a group of people from cult in Dansbury, a, a town, a Baptist, leave it to Baptist to stir the pot. I just anyway. Uh, they were in the state of. K- K- I like Baptists, by the way. I was, I was afflicted by Baptists when I was younger and went there, uh, but they lived in the state of Connecticut. The state of Connecticut favored the Congregational Church. It was just another Christian denomination, and so it was the Baptist asking about the Congregationalists because they were concerned that the state government of Connecticut was about to make the Congregationalist the church of choice for that state, and they were going to support it. And the Baptists were saying, wait a minute, that's not right. The government can't establish, the state government cannot establish a state religion. And so they write to Thomas Jefferson, which I think, by the way, I'll just I'll just take the side note on this. Think about the times. Little church, Trona gets all upset over something, whatever Trona gets upset about. So they write a pres- President Trump a letter, a personal letter. Hey, yo, uh, President Trump, we got this issue over here in Trona. Ridgecrest is not treating us right. Less than, less than three months later, the president writes back to him. How'd you like that kind of response from your federal government uh, today? So the president picks his pen up and actually writes a letter back to the Dansbury Baptist about what he feels about their issue. And so this is the, the letter uh, to Thomas Jefferson, uh, October 7th, 1801. And, and, and they, they talk flowery talk back then, but he says, our sentiments, talking about their b- personal beliefs, our sentiments are uniformly on the side of religious liberty, That religion is at all all times and all places a matter between God and the individual. That no man ought to suffer in his name, uh, uh, person or effects on account of his religious opinions. That the legitimate power of the civil government extends no further than to punish a man who works ill. In other words, just like that verse we just read, if you break the law, government's there to get on your case. But as far as all matters spiritually, the government cannot interfere with what religion teaches, does, or people believe. It's between my religion. I don't like the word religion. My relationship with God is between me and God. You too. Same deal. That's that's what they're saying. So they, they write to the president uh, with this background that uh, a new denomination is being established at that time. So... Uh, the president responds three months uh, from Thomas Jefferson. I'd just like to have that letter from Thomas Jefferson, president of the United States of America, believing with you, Thomas Jefferson agrees with him that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other uh, for his faith or his worship, that the legitimate, here it is that the legitimate powers of government, uh, Reach actions only and not opinions. I con- In other words, actions, sinful things that they break the laws. Uh, not opinions. I contemplate with sovereign reverence the act of the whole American people which declared that the legislature should make no law respecting the establishment of religion. There's, they can't have a con- congressional that congregational church. Or the prohibiting free exercise thereof. Baptists, go be Baptist. And here's the phrase, thus building a wall of separation between the church and state. He's saying there's a wall, but he's pointing to one side of the wall. He's po- that's You can leave that up, please. He's pointing to one side of the wall. He's saying the government cannot influence the church and what they believe. There's a wall of separation He doesn't say anything about the churches going to the government As a matter of fact isn't this letter proof of that The dansbury Baptists said they're they're trying to force the religion on us And so he they write the president they go to the head shed And say what about this We want to we want to worship as baptists And and he responds that way. The the purpose or the point, and this is the interpretation. This is your deal and mine. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? I personally believe that that I'm free to speak. That the 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 First Amendment says respecting the, the no law respecting the establishment thereof or prohibiting. Listen, the free exercise thereof. We can say religious, public, politically anything we want we can gather together the right of people for peaceable assembly and to petition the government for redress of grievances we can get together as a church we can get together as social groups we can get together as political parties we can get together as as neighborhoods or whatever it is and come back to the government and say hey guys what's with this we have free speech I believe my beliefs are politically correct. So I can state them. I can tell others. Our church can take a position on government policies based on what we think the Bible says. I think we can speak freely. Interestingly, uh, if any of you have ever applied applied for a 301C, a nonprofit status under a religious organization, this is the thing that allows you to be tax-exempt. They send you a questionnaire. You have to fill it out. A lot of questions, a lot of stuff. And so we got it 20, almost 30 years ago. And we filled it out and we sent it in. But there was questions. Are you going to speak about politics? Are you going to sponsor candidates? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Are you, are you going to take political positions as a church? And so in response to that, I... I wrote back, and I said, we will speak as a church where the Bible speaks. I thought that was pretty clever. It, it, but it taught me two things. First, it taught me that they really didn't want us talking about them from all the questions before. But I wrote that in, and it convinced me of the second thing. They never read them. <laughs> it's a, it was a paper shuffle. I shuffled paper back. They said, okay, you got it. Don't you love that? I do. Uh, why is this important? We need to know we have freedom of speech to p- speak about Jesus Christ in any context, and the government can't tell us not to. Here's the important, in my opinion, the important part of this. Because once you remove God and our responsibilities to God, both as individuals and people, once you take God out, then the government becomes God. Very straightforward deal. Once you take the real God out, the government has all the authority. And so we have to respond to them ultimately as the final authority. Now, again, if you disagree with that, please come talk. We'll, we'll go around that. But this the talk about separation of church and state. And being biblically correct, it's an important deal. Because truly, our country is at war. But it's not at war politically. It's at war spiritually. The battles that are going on inside of our country for the heart and soul and spirit of our country are spiritual battles. They're battles between spiritual forces of wickedness and darkness in the heavenly places that really want to destroy us as our nation. We have a great nation. We talked about it last week but we'll bring it up again. We're a great nation. We were founded on principles of God. What, we're, what we were talking about in those founding documents, who was the central character of the discussion? God. And our ability to worship him and celebrate him in our lives. So there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on between God and his forces and, and, and his spirit going on. But on the other side... The good news is being hidden from people by the enemy, by the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. If the good news we preach is hidden, the apostle Paul says it's behind a veil. It's hidden from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, who is the God of this world, will come down and he will keep people from seeing God, hearing about God, worshiping God. How does he do that? Well, let's look at the battle. The battle is really between the truth of God and the lies of the devil. Jesus speaks truth. He says, and my truth will set you free. The scripture, the Bible, is the foundation for life, and it's absolute, unchangeable truth for all people in all places at all times. Now, the devil lies. He comes, and and, and he'll deceive. He'll lie. He'll mislead. Uh, he'll do all of those things. That's his nature, is to lie. Well, all the, and again, we all hear the... We, uh, by the way, everyone hears lies in their heads. We'll hear God speaking in one side and Satan in the other. God will be telling us what to do and Satan will be talking to him. It's lies. The devil's goal is to separate us from God, to put a wall of separation between us and God. When was the first separation? It was in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve turned from God. They had one simple command: "Don't eat the apples." And I don't know if that still applies to cell phones and computers today. Don't eat the apples. But uh, never mind. The 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 don't eat the apple. But when they ate the apple, when they believed the lie, what happened? It separated them by sin from a holy God. That was the first wall of separation. Was our sin. And that that doesn't stop as we continue to reject God uh, in our lives. There's a wall of separation. But where is this battleground today on the First Amendment? It's in the schools. It's been in the schools forever, but specifically and clearly in 1962 when they banned prayer. Following the banding of prayer... You know the banding of prayer it was the Ten Commandments it was the Bible it was all things religious sometimes people get in trouble for wearing t-shirts but there's a statement there and anyone who's a parent here understands this inside of a family the kids know who has the power is it the mom unit or the dad unit So if the dad unit is the authoritarian and he lives the house, mom, stand by. Because now there's a discussion. Now, when our government had the ability to command God out of the schools, without a word, who do the students see has the power? It's not God. If the government became God and commanded God out, the whole idea is that now the teachers are representing that, the schools representing that. Abraham knew it absolutely. The philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will become the philosophy of the government in the next. As we, as we talk about that, let's go back to that one before. You're just a little. Uh, Congress should make no law respecting the establishment of religion, or the prohibiting the free exercise of. In, in, in 1962, we made one mistake. We didn't impeach the Supreme Court. We allowed this. Christians allowed this to happen. Christians allowed, because we stood back comfortably. No one's going to believe that. Our God rules. Our God reigns. Let's go to church. Everything's cool. We didn't realize that that pulled the rug out from under us. And it was a slow progression Uh, from then on taking god the bible ten commandments out of the school did not remove religion from the school please it did not remove religion it established another religion it established a religion a which is a personal set of institutionalized System of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. A cause and principle or system, beliefs held with ardor and faith. So when God was removed, the religion of atheism and the religion of humanism was established without word inside of our schools. The schools are not a neutral in any way, sense, or form. They are teaching religion inside of our schools, and the again the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will become the philosophy of the government the next. So what happens after that? People graduate. Fifty-two classes have graduated from high school. So that fifty-two plus eighteen that would be uh, seventy. So for seventy years, if you're seventy years old. You were taught this. If you're less than seventy years old, if you're seventy-one, you're brilliant. You know. Uh, if you're seventy-five, you're genius. Tough, you know. Uh, but the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation, listen, will be the philosophy of the news and information source in the next. All those people that graduated believing there's a separation of church and state. Not realizing that they were now indoctrinated into the religion of atheism or humanism, now run the media, they run the news industries. They put the spin on your evening news every night. So this, this, this source, the news information sources, if if just very interesting. If you just want to start looking for the spin you getting about we're getting about 5% news and 95% interpretation according to their political and spiritual beliefs i think you have time it, terrible shooting in bakersfield it was it was reported in google news the next day google goes out to all the different news sources and brings in and here they pick the news story that has their political agenda in mind. So they reported the killings in Bakersfield. I went, oh, that's terrible. And then there was just a little break. And it said, and this is just an example of the lax gun laws that are inside of our country, inside of the United States today, where they don't keep people who are violent from getting guns and weapons, and they did this whole thing against uh, having weapons. What did that have to do with the story? That was political commentary and spin. Oh, by the way, what was the source of that story? al Jazeera, The Muslim news sources out of the Middle East. Google is choosing al Jazeera over all of our American news sources, or for sure conservative ones, to make a political statement over a tragedy. And that happens every day. As you turn the news on and you listen to it, you get this much news, 95% interpretation uh, that goes with it. And, okay, I'm done with that. (laughs) Now, I say they established a religion. Atheism and humanism is a religion. The Supreme Court in 1957 ruled that secular humanism is a non-theistic religion within the meaning of the First Amendment. So in 1957, long before '62, when they kicked God out, they had said atheism and humanism is a religion. And so, and in in the Supreme Court goes on, it's incumbent upon Congress to utilize the broad definition of religion in all of its legislative action bearing on support or non-support of religion within the context of no establishment clause. The Supreme Court says don't establish a humanistic religion in a public context or Well, the Ten Commandments are out. It's gone. Uh, the doctrinal principles of humanism have been indoctrinated. Just the ban on the belief in a supernatural power, God, i.e. prayer, uh, is a statement, a tenet of the, the religion of humanism. Humanism teaches that there's not an all-powerful creator. There's no divine-specific plan for people. We're not uniquely created by God. School teaches that we're just evolved animals at the peak of the, of evolution. And don't worry, something better is coming after us. They teach that physical uh, creation that we all walk in in energy. And all of this is eternal, has been there forever. Now, they teach this, oh, by the way disregarding multiple natural laws that they know in science. I had a, this week I had a chance to look at uh, a high school biology book that was discussing their section on on biology in uh, evolution. And I looked at it, I said, I wonder what proofs they use. And so I flipped to it and and looked at it. And the first proof they said is that the the, uh, fossil record establishes the proof. That's a bold faced scientific lie. Uh, I've, I've quoted this so often. The, the curator of the natural history in, in London has over 4 million fossils. His comment, I do not have one transitional fossil. There are some that can be interpreted in different places around the world as transitional, but there should be more transitional fossils than regular fossils, and I'm done with that. But they use that as a proof. They 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 look at a human embryo and they say, "Look, you might see a fish in there. Look, you might see a monkey in there. You might." And that, by the way, that that has been proven untrue. Uh, also, the some of the other proofs that they put in there, you just look at them and go, "Really." Uh, embryonic development, vestigial organs. Do you ever know what a vestigial organ is? Yeah, thank you. I knew you did, John. A organ is hair. It's something when you evolve to a higher state, you don't need. <laughs> I'm just saying. Hang on. Better edition coming. A vestigial organ is an organ that they find inside of our bodies that they say that's left over from Evolution. Uh, 70, 50, 75 years ago, they they had a list of over 100, like 115 residual organs. Some of the residual organs were, were my tonsils. And so they took my tonsils out because they didn't see any need for them. I got a week of ice cream. I was happy. Now science knows that there's a very valid reason to keep it. Appendixes, thyroids, all these things that they thought, tailbones, all these they said, Oh, look at that. Those are left over from our evolutionary past. Almost without exception, they've all been proven as part of the current design of human beings and needed. I could go on. But these are the faulty lines of evidence that they put out inside of that. But you have to get rid of a creator if you want to believe in atheism. It's very uncomfortable having a creator in the room if you say there's no God. And it, in, inside of that, it takes away other stuff. When you take God out, now, now your truth is the truth. There's no absolute moral truth. There's no absolute morals. What you think is moral is moral. That's a statement of religion. You get to make up your own Doctrine. When when you turn around and talk about behaviors, lifestyles, sexual behaviors, all that other stuff, the definition of family, if you take God out of it, then you make up your own rules. You're establishing a religion. Control the classroom first. The news media second as you go along. Uh, And now, news media has another role because the philosophy of the news media in one generation will become the philosophy of the government in the next because the media controls votes and money flow and that's what defines the government so if the media political news sources favor one particular government and re- one political party or opinion and they continue to report that then that's going to be the support So the one generation, it'll become the philosophy of the government, or they're going to get their money and their boats cut out. Also, so whenever you watch all the secular media and all the shows that they, they talk about being historical and scientific, they have an agenda. And then once the government is in place that is supportive and is humanistic of this government, the philosophy of the government will control the curriculum and the philosophy and religion that's taught in this classroom for the next generation we just went full cycle if you teach it if you take god out of the classroom you teach people the religion of humanism eventually the news sources are transformed and changed and then that turns into the government and then now the government goes out and that's exactly what's happening who dictates what's taught in these schools the government Originally, school districts were established locally to be set up by parents. Right now, the National Education Association, the strongest union inside of the country, tells your kids and establishes what they're going to learn. They set it up. They tell us what's going on. And they're, if just please, if you don't... I, we have so many godly teachers. Oh, please. But they're working in a system that's established another religion the religion of humanism inside of the school they can live their lives they can talk about christ and they do and and the nea continues to support this and the government tells us what we can teach and what we can't teach Government is withheld from Christian and religious schools, even though their performances historically test after test is higher. Why don't they support Christian schools? If there's no if there's a separation of church and state, they should just equally support a Christian school as much as they do a non-Christian school, right? No. It's a philosophical difference that you can't do that. Summary and application. Don't get mad. Uh, study. Study. Learn. Understand what what Congress meant. It, it's not supposed to make any law or establishing a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Please see. If you disagree, tell me. Not now. Please understand that the government... Has created a religion by definition, by tenets of that revel- that uh, belief inside the school systems, and again, they are they, they stop free speech in the churches actually, and they continue in the press uh, and in these other places uh, to say, you, you if you if you are a fire breathing Jesus believing Bible thumping Christian. You might not have much of a future in the news medias that are out there. So that's what's happening. But for us, submit to the governing authorities. Not, don't be disrespectful. Don't do anything. If, if, if you're in a classroom and they're teaching evolution, you get an A on that test. But you know that it's not true. If you're in a classroom where they say your truth is your truth, your parents, your pastor, the Bible, no one else can tell you what's your truth. You have personal truth. You go, okay, you can get an A on that test. Pat your Bible and know where the truth lies. Submit to the governing authorities. Speak where you can speak where the government tells us to be quiet. Avoid Satan's lies. And again... I, I put forward as the as the foundation of this that Satan has lied to us about the separation of church and state, saying that we as Christians cannot speak about political issues. And I'm also saying that they have established a religion inside of our country. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're God and we're not. And that you have a plan that's better than our plan. You knew before the foundation of the world what would happen in our country. And also you knew then and you know now how you want Christians to respond and react. First as parents to educate our kids. As, as Christians to be able to speak to our local politics, state politics, national politics. Thanks Lord to, that you've allowed in this country freedom of speech. Here a Good God, let us treasure that gift and speak the truth in love. Pray in Christ's name, amen.